0: I remember when wrath of god was an expensive card
1: oh yeah i remember when i like couldn't really afford wrath of gods when i was like 12 years old a child yeah
0: yeah. it was great i couldn't (laughs) afford steam vents or maybe it was shivan reef one one of the the that hurt you (laughs) and i distinctly remember yeah but that's okay because
1: they hurt me yeah you can play comes into play (laughs) top lines i don't know why more people don't do that well there weren't any blue red ones (laughs) no that's true (laughs) <laughs> this didn't come along until later.
0: Yeah, the Coastal Towers were exclusive to the Allied Colors for a very long time.
1: <laughs> and they also didn't, like, make them always standard legal or anything like that.
0: You could play Bounce Lands when those were printed. The mm-hmm. Is it Boiler Works,
1: I guess? Yeah, those but, are even tougher to fit into a curve
0: mm-hmm. and constructed. Even in Ravnica, like, this, the first set, there weren't any Tap Lands. There weren't, like, guild gates. In the first Ravnica set. They just
1: didn't exist. Yeah. I mean, because the bounce signs were common, so they fixed your mana in limited. And also, like, were the best commons in limited.
0: The bounce signs were
1: incredible. Yeah. It makes me sad that they don't reprint
0: them, even though I get it. I just think people should be allowed to play with some good cards every once in a while.
1: <laughs> I saw, a, like, a Ravnica draft log like a narrated one that wasn't obviously a joke article until you got like halfway through it and realized that he was just taking bounce lands over everything and ended up with a deck with like 13 bounce lands in it.
0: That's not a good deck though. (laughs) No, but it was
1: a backlash against the like always take bounce lands. Yes. We overcorrected too far in the, like once people realized like bounce lands were very good, then people started like, you know first picking them over like ribbons of night and stuff which was not right
0: no man i enjoyed playing round when it came out but i have not really enjoyed any of the
1: flashback drafts it's not they're too it doesn't hold up magic's too different yeah yeah and it's also like i don't the novelty of the like everything is a two-for-one format for a million mana wore off eventually
0: i mean all, invasion was also like that though except for there was no color fixing yes <laughs> that's the main difference yeah <laughs> <laughs> You just have to naturally
1: draw your Grixis color two for ones or three for ones. I remember reading the little like book booklet that came with a fat pack from like Invasion and Plane Shift. And it like was describing like one of the mechanics in Invasion block was that they just like added a couple of mana and draw a card onto a lot of effects. Like that's just one of the themes of it is like Stone Rain, add two mana, draw a card. That's implode raise dead draw a card that's recover <laughs> okay I mean, is that a mechanic it's, it's a mechanic
0: the fat the fat pack books were like pretty padded yes for content
1: oh for sure
0: i think people just got them or like they were only desirable because they had a full gallery of like the cards yeah which was really cool that was like a real thing yeah yeah nowadays you have scryfall so don't don't need it as much. Scryfall just tweets praying that someone uploads an image of the One Ring when they open it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, but that image is online anyways because they put it out there. So yeah, but they want the scan. they want the they HD want scan. The one scan. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense that they would do a one of one, One Ring. I hope we never find it. That's my like <laughs> ideal. <laughs> I just think it's ironic. I also hope that, but
0: wasn't the whole. One ring an allegory for how you know just greed and power is bad yeah of course and now it's a lottery ticket
1: <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> what have we learned <laughs> it is cool though yeah i get it i can see someone pitching it and being like you know it would be really cool if we made the ring just as desirable as it
1: is in the books yeah and they already had the technology for it with the serial serialized and i don't know i think it's like a really good idea i don't know how to feel about it
0: because on one hand i don't care that much like okay okay it's like something you can do but on the other hand it kind of feels like the opening packs of legends in dominaria united Met level of marketing where it's like there's only one this makes it so desirable go out and yeah, buy our cars. that's what it never, feels like to me
1: literally never affect you in except that it's yeah. just like on the internet constantly yeah
0: all right it, it, like the most we're gonna get out of this one ring discussion is just the discussion over these next couple days or last couple days that's it that's all there's really gonna be <laughs> like all the good memes have already been made i made my uh flip it or rip it joke apparently at the same time as two other people who also oh, make wow. that joke <laughs>
1: <laughs> i don't know if people play flip it or rip it with collector's boosters though
0: i mean that's their loss right yeah <laughs> <laughs> there's no rules to flip it or rip it you can do you can use whatever pack of cards you need to. yeah
1: i mean i guess it's like just as dumb with any pack just like magnified if you use the 30 dollar pack
0: <laughs> is it really 30 dollars
1: lord of the rings is being set at a like premium msrp it's like being priced similarly to like modern horizon sets
0: i don't like that because i know that the the casual design team made it casual play design team which is the same team that makes the commander sets Mm -hmm. Uh, and honestly maybe the commander sets are increased msrp and i don't actually know
1: (laughs) i yeah i have no idea but yeah i've never bought a pack of any of the commander sets but It does feel really weird that this set that's, like, not standard legal is not, like... I mean, honestly, like, Modern Horizons being extra expensive just because the cards are good was, like, fucking stupid, too, so... Yeah, it's terrible.
0: Uh, It's just, it was weird seeing the they they apparently a ton of soul rings in the set. And that's, like, the clear signal, oh, this is just, you know, for Commander. This is a Commander product. Yeah. (laughs) Like, this is the main drive now there's just a million rings in the set it's not supposed to be a modern horizons playable set yeah like sure you can play white remand in modern and pitch
1: it to solitude but
0: that's that's about all you're gonna get
1: so far (laughs) i mean so far we've only seen a couple of cards like the ring is probably playable oh i love the ring
0: i'm just making sweeping generalizations sure very little data yeah and that's my right as a person on the internet of course (laughs)
1: Welcome to episode 284 of the MTG Grandcast, the Spikiest Podcast in all Ascension, North Carolina. We are your hosts. I'm Chris Castor Apple. With me is Lee McLeod. Just just Lee today. It's just us hanging out. How's it going? I'm lonely now. I know. After our
0: string of guest appearances for the last few weeks, now it's just It's just me and you, and there's just an empty spot.
1: I did appreciate starting the call and not having to do any level of like administrative stuff or like figure out like make sure that everybody's recording like just just clean good clean living start the call i know that you're recording we can we can just keep going it's also always the worst when a guest
0: makes a great joke but they're not recording yet so you just can't use it in the cold open which usually happens
1: like i think has happened every single time we've had a guest on for like the past five or six guests so yes that's because our guests are very funny yeah we only invite people we like so Anyways, today on the show, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh we're going to talk about TCG player, we're gonna talk about legacy bands, we're gonna talk about standard, and we're gonna talk about Lord of the Rings, which is just like it's a lot of things. So we, we gotta be efficient today. It's a wide band of topics. It is. Uh, no pun intended, actually. We're a, we're a Magic the Gathering Culture podcast to today at least. Yeah. The cultureist podcast in central north carolina yeah you just want to dive in do you have anything that you want to start with first or should we just hit the tcg player thing we've we've got to hit the tcg player thing we've got to get going we've got yeah yeah Yeah. we're going (laughs) all right so the tcg player staff voted successfully to unionize tcg player management released a statement quote We are disappointed our Authentication Center team members in Syracuse have decided to end their direct relationship with TCG Player. Our priority (laughs) continues to be building a positive workplace culture that supports our team members and benefits our TCG Player community. So... If you are not a person who dials into union negotiations and union busting tactics and stuff, this like direct relationship language is just this pure gobbledygook code that always pops up from management trying to union bust where they try to portray some sort of like pure one-on-one union controls you. Yeah. Yeah. And that now you no longer have a relationship with the company, but what they really want is for you to have no negotiating power with them because when you're one person negotiating with your employer, especially if you are warehouse staff or some like so-called unskilled labor, which there's no such thing as unskilled labor. But if you don't have a very specialized set of skills, it's very difficult to negotiate individually. That's why we have collective bargaining that's why unions are good. Fuck TCG player management. But, I mean, I don't have it's a lot so else to bad. say.
0: No. The, they're, I'm going to pull up the, the TCG player union Twitter because they have been tweeting quite a bit. Okay, It's just TCG union CWA. That is the TCG player authentic, authentication union. Yes. They tweet about their, you know, all the struggles
1: and in some cases victories that they've been experiencing this past like few weeks. Yeah. So good follow, follow along with them until this is resolved. I would encourage not to use TCG player services. I just don't, I can't really justify it. They got to get their act together. They should have voluntarily recognized this union from the start and they are still going, like it's clear they're going to resist in negotiations and not play ball and screw that it's some level of corporate denial when you're like workers
0: are unionizing against you and their statement is our priority has always been to make a positive workplace culture so I don't know why all these people (laughs)
1: If, if things were so great they would not have like felt the need to unionize I everybody should but it takes effort and time and a lot of people like really making it happen so If things are fine generally nobody's going to put in that level of you know effort and struggle so the fact that they had to do that means that something was wrong and and it's been pretty clear that stuff has been wrong with tcg player for a little while i Mm -hmm. like for years i've heard how
0: bad warehouse conditions were in not tcg related spaces like actual publications have been reporting on it right (laughs) i know in the last year
1: yeah so i would say support the union don't use tcg player until this is resolved because they've made it pretty clear that even though there is a union now that they are they would rather not negotiate with them and like i don't really get it like i i know that they are they've retained a union busting law firm and stuff and they're going to just do what that law firm tells them and maybe this is a strategy but once the union exists like the union exists and I don't really see what you gain by like half acidly going into it and being like, we're disappointed that the union exists now. And I mean, we really just want to help our workers out like the union exists. You should go negotiate with them and at least put on a pretend face of like, yes, we respect your efforts as a union and we will negotiate in good faith. Like, I don't see what it gets you to, like, publicly drag your feet on this and, and like bemoan what happened
0: yeah it it doesn't do much it just makes you look worse to kind of everyone involved and not involved like us
1: yeah so buy from local stores buy from rodney and ash get your cards elsewhere for now i think Mm -hmm. and you know not every creator is able to end their relationship with tcg player because of budgetary reasons and stuff like being a magic content creator is a tough making the the dollar signs on each side of the line, line up is difficult but the creators that have done it i definitely respect their their decision to and uh appreciate that sort of sacrifice and but no 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 shade on those who are not able to do so yeah i mean you you have to live at the end of the day yeah
0: it's it's different when someone's paying you stuff uh and internet you're kind of promoting them but also there's a difference between that and just like sh-
1: spending money on tcg player which is completely optional and you- it's up to you yeah it, it does not really change my life at all to buy my card somewhere else so yeah also TCG player just kind of sucks anyway yeah like they're not great it's <laughs> not great i love buying a whole deck from tcg player and having 95 percent of it show up over the course like 60% of it months. gets here in a week, like 30% of it is here a month later, 5% of it disappears into the ether. Like, it's not my favorite ordering experience.
0: I remember many years ago when I ordered a package from TCG Player, all packed up. This was several, several years ago, like 2018 or something. And the package just got lost. And it took two, it was an entire deck, like 800 900 dollars worth of cards all bundled up like tg player wanted me to do and it got lost and eventually did turn up in the post office and they wouldn't deliver it anywhere so i just had to drive over there and get it And i was like oh thank god and then i was like man this was terrible i should not do this again
1: (laughs) (laughs) yep uh just to be clear the union has not called for a boycott they've specifically not called for a boycott of tcg but as a like personal ethical responsibility i don't feel comfortable contributing money that goes to management until the workers have we a totally con- use contract that
0: money clearly to
1: right on union busting <laughs> attorneys yes exactly yeah. all right next topic yes uh, the actual magic stuff yeah the stuff that is significantly less important but a little more fun yeah, that's kind of how life works, right? So we got some legacy bands met with al- almost universal acclaim, I think. This is a pretty clear, correct ban of White Plume Adventurer and Expressive Iteration and Legacy.
0: Yeah, I saw no one shed a tear over Expressive Iteration. That was just like, everyone was like, oh, thank God, it took it so long. <laughs> uh, and there was also all the memes of like, uh, expressive iteration banned in legacy and pioneer, but still legal in modern. <laughs> Are you next? Uh, Who knows? Yeah, it is but really weird I, that
1: like the higher powered format and the lower powered format, like neither of those can sustain expressive iteration, but in modern it's it's just acceptable.
0: We don't have to talk about pioneer that much because it's not really this topic's not really about that. But it is also super weird still to me that expressive Viteration's banned because it clearly died for like Treasure Cruise and Dig their time to still be legal. Yeah, right? yep, it did. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not like Treasure Cruise and Dig are currently destroying Pioneer or anything like that. It's just, I don't know what people would rather play with. And Expressive iteration
1: was a card people really enjoyed. Also, Expressive iteration would be banned in Modern if like we had to keep Mystic Sanctuary illegal, which was a big part of the yes. problem in Legacy. Yeah, Mystic Sanctuary is not an okay card either yeah that's it's pretty messed up the the way that delver just like had access to an intensive like delver is always too good when it can get actual card advantage that's what like really kicks it over the top when one of its threats just like generates lots of extra cards over the course of the game dreadheart arcanist did that renin6 did that oko did that and expressive iteration becomes an engine when you have access to even like a single mystic sanctuary in your deck and which can be bounced with days so you just don't run out of cards at some point and we ended up with pretty close to a two-deck format in legacy it was only really responsible to play is a delver or white plume adventurer based stompy or whatever that deck was called initiative stompy and it was very difficult for other things to keep up unless they were like laser, laser focused on exactly those matchups. But it was almost impossible to be good against both of those decks.
0: Yeah, I, I'm a little... S- so I understand why White Plane Adventure was banned is entirely too strong. But I'm also a little sad that like for the first time... Oh, a, a white a deck, deck was like the deck. best
1: deck in Legacy? Yeah,
0: yeah. it's like close, if not the best deck in Legacy. And it, it got banned like ah. Uh that sucks
1: yeah we do get to make a return to classic death and taxes as a viable legacy deck which is a deck that could not keep up with expressive iteration delver you just ran ran out of swords to plowshares and then eventually just lost to whatever was left over
0: i mean there's still some strong cards like Mark died regent that have been packed in the format since then that are still legal mm-hmm. uh there's also doomsday is still strong yep Uh, I saw some joking tweets today, actually, that people were, there's been some Thassa's Oracle discussion, like every time bans come up, because that card's just really good. And one of my favorite tweets was uh, someone saying that, man, I wish they had banned Thassa's Oracle that way. When I play Doomsday, I can just go back to blaming the deck instead of me for being bad.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think it's, you know, I don't play enough Legacy to like make subjective calls on the format but i think it's cool for doomsday to be good no
0: yeah it's it's cool
1: It's a cool deck and it's
0: strong too mm-hmm. it's very consistent ever since thos's oracle
1: was printed. yeah the piles
0: are definitely more manageable it's still a difficult deck to execute since you have to play around mm-hmm. so much and you've you know you're drastically limiting your resources to do that but your cards are so powerful now and with thos's oracle your win condition is so tight that you can do it if you put an off you know homework
1: yeah i actually i mean this ban has like i have a halfway finished or most of the way finished honestly at this point uh legacy death and taxes deck mostly just because i think it's cool that there is a legacy deck with no reserve list cards on it that will never have any reserve list cards in it and so i'm gonna go ahead and finish that deck probably because it is now playable again where it simply was not
0: you could even put some of the new lord of the rings Style wastelands or whatever cards that come up with. If you're super I, into Lord of the Rings, I already have my. I don't wastelands. know your Lord of the Rings fandom.
1: I, I, you know, I like Lord of the Rings. I used to, it used to be very important to me. It became less important over time, but I still definitely have a soft spot in my heart for Lord of the Rings. And uh, we'll talk about this set. I'm not upset by it mostly. I, I think that there is some cool stuff and it's mostly fine. I think it is a weird gigantic task that they put in front of the play design team by being like you have one chance to make a lord of the rings set good luck and, and that's tough
0: well i we can talk more about the set later but i will say this before i forget is that i i thought i was just kind of over lord of the rings entirely mm-hmm. but i watched rings of power not too long ago the amazon series mm-hmm And I like, remember all the lore I know, I just know it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'm like, oh yeah, this is something I've invested time in. This is kind of neat. Yeah. But I'm also take it or leave it, I guess.
1: Yeah. It just, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this a a little later on, uh, the one new card in death and taxes. Now that you actually get to play death and taxes again, is that you get to put a single copy of the four mana equipment that gives you the initiative. Yeah trailblazer
0: torch i believe i think that's right yeah it's just a four mana equipment that i honestly don't even know the text of. the except text for when is the, battlefield.
1: the worst equipment test you've ever seen in your entire life you gain the initiative when it comes into play fantastic and then it's like equip one and equip creature has whatever it becomes blocked it deals two <laughs> damage to the blocking creature i think is the text so just yeah, it's
0: to each creature blocking it
1: <laughs> a completely blank piece of equipment
0: uh it's 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 so nice though you can even get to violet in with stoneforge mystic Whew. i know
1: yeah i i think it's it's very good in the especially like the the yorian stoneforge mystic. like it's just an extra etb thing like it's really nice
0: did did white plume Adventurer walk so that trailblazer's torch can run
1: i think and be the judge i think white plume adventure <laughs> sprinted so that trailblazer's torch could like <laughs> gasp its way through a marathon mostly yeah i've
0: watched several games of Legacy since people started putting this in the deck and i have not once seen it been equipped (laughs) (laughs)
1: nope it's one mana to equip (laughs) but turning your Stoneforge mystics into the initiative is pretty good that is an option that you want more often than i mean it's an option that you want enough that i think it's worth the slot in the deck yeah
0: legacy is interesting it's it's always fun to watch even though i don't enjoy playing the format that much I really enjoy watching Legacy and seeing the Legacy decks because people who play Legacy just like do the most unhinged things possible. And I also get to play with the wildest
1: variety of cards. I think just looking at Legacy deck lists is like enough to be a, a minor hobby on its own. Like it's fun to look at Legacy decks. I agree completely.
0: And every time like Honorog streams or whatever and plays some god awful deck and his opponent is also playing some deck with cards you just cannot predict. Both with the physical card predict and you just don't know what's in their deck at all. And they right. play something wild. It's just such a
1: good... It's a treat. Kinda, yeah. Yeah. It's like magic junk food in a way. Like, I don't need to learn anything from this. Like, I don't need to be paying attention at all. But I can just be, like, shocked by by the cards that show up in my... In Hunter Ox opponent's decks and uh, Sylvan Library misclicks. The two, like, <laughs> stalwarts of legacy.
0: Yeah. Those are the, the two eternal format you know mainstays
1: if if anybody can ever figure out how to code an interface for a sylvan library that like makes sense and is like parsable i mean heaven forbid you have a life and alone in your graveyard and you don't want to use it that's exactly what i was watching on rock 2 yesterday i just have to <laughs> click like okay cancel okay cancel okay shit i just paid for life <laughs> Yeah, but if, if anybody manages to design an interface for that that actually works, like they have a bright future in design generally, in UI design.
0: Though, I mean, making
1: a lot of stuff work on
0: Magic Online specifically has to take mm-hmm. a lot, because it's a, that's an old program. It's a creaky one.
1: Mm-hmm. All right, on to Standard.
0: Yeah, sure. Standard was had a lot of RCs this weekend, Yeah, championships. Europe streamed their entire
1: one. I don't think Canada did. Yeah, I was not able to watch it. I was at a, a grass-touching event, Ooh, as Will Pulliam put it, when I told him I couldn't play video games with him this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was not able to watch the RC, but I'll, I'll probably go back and check it out a little bit. Europe had its RC. One of the Canadian RCs happened. There's still another one. I think that was the first Canadian RC, because this is only the like second or third weekend of RCs. I have no idea.
0: Canada has been weird, and I... I feel like this is the first one as well, but if you told me it was the second one and the last one happened a month ago, I'd be like, oh, was that the same cycle? Okay, sure. Sure.
1: <laughs> I'm pretty sure because that it this was only the second weekend because the first weekend was uh, Southeast Asia, Japan, and yes. Australia, New Zealand. So I think these are only the second group of regionals results. The broad stroke storyline of this weekend is basically grixis still fine we have win rates from mtg melee that should be taken with a grain of salt because of deck naming and stuff like that and i also don't think that they remove mirror based win rates so yeah they don't so like grixis is going to tend towards 50 percent because it's such a large percentage of the field but the the broad stroke story of the weekend is grixis still pretty good but esper legends kind of came in to eat its lunch this weekend and we were just talking about this with Nick last week when he was like, yeah, I knew that I was playing against Esper in the top eight and we tested against it and realized I couldn't beat it. So that's, that's what Esper Legends is doing here. It's beating up on these Grixis decks. Yeah. Not, not
0: just Esper Legends. The, the Esper Legends is fantastic, but I, the, like there's a, another Plaza of Heroes decks that did well in the Canadian uh, RC. By, yeah. That, uh, Michael that Van Balls, the four color deck. Lot. Yeah. Yeah, so this is Esper Legendsy, except for you're playing green with for Malera and Glissa and Slowgurk the Overslime, which is a fantastic little card. Uh, one of my favorites from this deck.
1: Yeah, and, and for f- two copies of Old Rutstein. Yeah, I don't know about that one. But that, that one's my least favorite. Ugh. <laughs> I don't know, does it? There, you have so many threes you could be playing.
0: Yeah, like another Kaido or something. Yeah. Look, I'm not a deck scientist. <laughs> Uh, I do know that this deck lost in the finals to uh, to William O'Haye by Will Field of Ruining slash Demolition Fielding like seven times in game three. Just never, uh, Michael could just never cast a three drop.
1: Yeah, I, I actually am slightly confused by this because I, I guess it's just one of those things that when you say it, then it becomes obvious that you should do it. But I just I think I just assumed that there was only one Field of Ruin legal in standard, and you just like ran a set of those in your mono white deck. But it turns out you can run two sets of Field of Ruin in your Mono White yes. Deck. There's and, one from Midnight Hunt and there's one from Brothers War. <laughs> and the three color decks or the three plus color decks, most of them didn't show up with basics. So And
0: honestly, I don't think you should, even if mm-hmm. your opponent is playing a bunch of Field of Ruins. If you know you're showing up to a tournament with like opponents playing eight field ruins in your deck one swamp is just not going to help you no it's not
1: going to do it I mean it does make that first field of ruin like not as backbreaking but if the game is going to go long which it does then they're going to get you with these fields
0: yeah especially since the field is always going to get their land back because they're a mono white deck with just 13 14 15 planes in their deck yes and they have just such hard hitting
1: four drops in their deck also, the fact that you can like field and then get it back with Sarah Paragon on turn five is a really nice little synergy. The mono white deck did not have a great weekend. It, it posted around like 46 ish percent results in most of the tournaments. Uh, I don't know how many of those decks were built like this, though. I, I think that that eight field is really key to making the deck work in those uh, three color matchups
0: yeah I know most of the mono white decks I saw before this event and even during these events like the the European one mostly people played you know for a bunch of planes some of ganjos maybe some fuel ruins uh but four four roadside reliquary has been like stock forever exactly. which is the draw, draw card for an artifact draw card for an enchantment that one
1: Dom's list here has three Misha's foundries and three roadside reliquaries you know Dom's a good smart deck builder and player but I think that William kind of broke it with like, oh, this game is not real. like Grixis and Mono White can sit there drawing cards and drawing cards and then see who wins. But you're playing the same game and you're like giving yourself a 50% win rate basically by doing that, by being like, I have a land that can draw me extra cards by being like, I have lands that can strip mine my, my opponent out of the game. You're setting up a different experience for your opponent that they are probably not prepared to play in
0: yeah and we'll see if it like keeps this is one event right we Mm -hmm. can't extrapolate that will has been like right all along even though he won his his finals in like pretty spectacular fashion (laughs) uh we'll we'll see if people adopt this going forward for the next rcs because they're not done yet
1: yeah and you know i i don't think that like field of ruins is going to be the ultimate key to the format (laughs) but if the best and most heavily played deck is Grixis midrange and Field of Ruin just takes them off a land every time, then I, I don't hate being in that spot.
0: It certainly beats playing your derpy two drops on turn three when you could just Field of Ruin them instead. <laughs> like that's got to be way better.
1: Yeah, like Field of Ruin them and cast a Laydown Arms or something like that is like a really good turn.
0: Yeah, it's so much better than uh, spirited companion draw card,
1: <laughs> leave a land untapped. Yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> play a Murex.
1: Great, um, yeah. So much respect to that build. I, I'm gonna be trying that out and and just seeing like how that all plays out against the various matchups. Other decks. I mean, the two main decks of the weekend were really grixis mid-range and esper legends grixis still did fine even with esper legends in the european and canadian RCs, really having a stellar win rate and kind of beating up on that deck Uh, in brazil for whatever reason the esper deck did not have a particularly great weekend i say for whatever reason but i wrote down here my you know (laughs) the 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 reasoning that I think backs it up. (laughs) Monored and Soldiers were just much more heavily played in Brazil. And Esper Legends is not a deck that plays well from behind. Most of your cards just don't work. Rafine and Adeline are both attack triggers. And if you are blocking and can't attack with your two-drop or your two-drop died to to a removal spell, they're much, much worse. And Denik is about the only thing that helps to salvage those matchups. And if you don't have one of your Deniks, then you often just get completely run over.
0: Yeah, it's... It really kind of feels like the the whole Gifted Aetherborn thing from Kaladesh standard where, <laughs> oh, this is like the only card I've got, and Dinic is is that Gifted Aetherborn. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you've got Shieldred
1: too, but everybody That's knows a four drop, that they yeah. have to beat Shieldred. Right. That's not a secret. Yeah. Uh, selesnia Toxic showing up a reasonable amount, but not like destroying these tournaments in any way. So I, I don't think that that deck is the... We didn't crack the code with that deck. That's that's not like tearing up the format. It's,
0: it's a solid deck. It's a good deck. Skrill's Hive has surprised me with how playable it is in this deck.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It just gives you a good use of like bodies to play with, but it's not, it, it's not like modern infect with Jitaxian probe. It's not that kind of a deck.
1: Yeah, and I mean we're seeing Grixis mid range decks with like a play set of cutdowns downs in the sideboard and stuff that are just able to shift into a deck that's not dismayed to see a scroll of on turn one the other side that can actually answer it somehow mm-hmm. that said I still love Tyvar Stand
0: the blossoming defense card oh that yeah card's so
1: cool it is very cool I am into it uh so shout out to Karate Dom for you know forging the path with the Esper Legends deck putting up 19 and 1 record in the mana traders qualifying season to win that leaderboard and then going 10 and 0 in the challenge <laughs> to win the challenge uh good results i think he just put out a guide so if you want to play some esper legends it's probably worth checking that out
0: yeah he published it i know it. you can get it to it from his twitter which is karate dom 10 like the word karate dom 10 yeah because there were nine
1: so karate doms before him that he so. defeated yeah. yeah that he defeated <laughs>
0: it was part of the 10-0 streak that makes sense and he's got it's a very in-depth guide so if you're interested in picking up that deck i definitely think about taking a look at what he's done
1: yep as i said mono white kind of consistently a 45 46 percent deck across these tournaments but that field of ruin tech I, i think is just really important going forward i really love mono blue was the second most played deck in the canadian rc yeah <laughs> just putting up a solid 40 percent win rate as the number two played deck in that tournament what, i kept seeing people what talk about thinking? that what in w-
0: canada being like why is everywhere i look a hottie Gen? i
1: don't understand what's happening in this country <laughs> yeah i, I <laughs> there is a metagame where mono blue is fine that metagame is not where Blood Tithe Harvester is the most played card in the format.
0: <laughs>
1: oh,
0: I don't know. Sometimes you just got a mono blue. Not at the RC.
1: Like, <laughs> get get your games in at your store or whatever. 40% win rate for the second most played deck in the, in the tournament. Somebody messed up real bad in a Discord somewhere.
0: Yeah, to be fair, it's really hard to
1: recommend mono blue pretty much at any time. Mm-hmm. It's very rarely good. Yes. Siren Storm Tamer was the last time that was a defensible choice, I would say. Yeah, that was four years ago. Yep. Oh, well. Oh,
0: well. But everyone will keep trying, I can tell you that.
1: People love it. You can't take them off it. But for your own good, I would suggest uh, sticking to Mono Blue in the more casual tournaments. It also, it, and and I don't know, maybe it is one of those decks where like, playing it on arena ladder you get a lot of wins but then when you show up at the rc and most of your opponents are competent or better and they know how to play against spell pierce and they know how to play against hottie gin then the deck is worse
0: yeah and it's not like it's a terrible deck even when your opponent knows how to play against it but you really need the the one percentage from your opponent just walking into cards Mm -hmm. like if they never walk into anything or because you're not really forcing them to walk into anything like the way that Delver does in Legacy. Mm-hmm. They just have to voluntarily walk into stuff. If they don't do that, you're you're not really playing
1: the right deck. Yeah, and I think just the higher the level of the tournament you get to, the less often that's going to happen.
0: I was kind of looking through soldier deck lists to see what, if anything had changed from the lists earlier, mm-hmm. but it just kind of hasn't. Like People are just playing soldiers straight up and just praying that they don't run
1: into too many cut downs yeah it's hard surprising to, to me do too much with soldiers i think the main thing is do you run screlv or do you not run screlv is kind of almost the only choice that people are making in, in deck building right now i don't know what you would do to change this deck up to be better against anything in particular because you have all your soldier synergies you got your soldier land and there aren't a ton of options past that
0: Maybe next set, when the, there are a bunch of soldiers riding dragons or dinosaurs,
1: maybe that'll change it. <laughs> Vampires riding dinosaurs. That doesn't help you out too much. What does world much. come to? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the Phyrexians, man. The Phyrexians give us the the mashups we could only have dreamed of before.
0: It's like going to the Aquaria set spoiler and just reading out the type lines nightmare pangolin are you sure this is real
1: <laughs> this wasn't just thought up in a fever dream scrawled onto a card sent to the printer
0: i mean it could have been yes. we the companions were in that set
1: <laughs> yeah the pangolin doesn't really balance that out i guess that's too bad I can forgive, like, a decent amount of things for a Nightmare Pangolin, but the companions are a tough ask.
0: Yeah, if they were all Lutri, like, Lutri was the only companion, I think we could
1: forgive it. But that's just not the case. Um, yeah. The amount of games that I have played against Luris and Yorion mean that I just can't ever... It's, it's trauma. It's deep-seated now. It lives in my cerebellum and my brainstem, and I'll never recover from it.
0: Even Giganta sees a bunch of play still. And it's funny because I heard a story that Alan was telling me where he was playing uh, Rakdos without with uh, Gigantha. I think it was Alan, and his opponent the entire time is trying to play around Shieldred. Not in the deck. Which you just are not allowed to play with Gigantha. <laughs> <laughs> and so that one's clearly not Lurus Yorian level, but it's still it's still here.
1: Yeah, it's not right. It's not overwhelming. The way that Laris and Yurion were, but it is, like, borderline more annoying as a design. Because it's always just like, oh, I don't have any double mana costs in my deck. I guess I get Gigantha. Yep. Stupid card. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let's, anyway, that's that's a
1: side topic.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's one that'll come around, like, every eight episodes or so. I'm just gonna be mad about Companions again. I feel like it's more common than that. but Maybe it's justified every time uh any other thoughts about standard
0: uh it looks a lot better than it did when it was all grix's format i will say that which actually gives me a lot of hope yep. for a standard rcq season because previously i'd been like yeah standard's kind of neat ish like i'd enjoy to play it for novelty's sake every once in a while mm-hmm. in paper uh but now with this season of rc's where the metagame is actually There's evolving, churn. that's actually what i care about yep. so if we get a season of rcqs where people are forced to play standard and actually do it that could be really interesting given the, how this weekend went i or the, these past few weekends
1: and i do find the standard to be pretty fun like i've enjoyed the deck building i've enjoyed seeing the innovations uh the games are a lot of them are mid-range v mid-range Slugs. or mid-range v aggro and so there's, you know, a kind of specific type of game that you have to enjoy in order to enjoy the standard. But if you do like that resource management kind of gameplay, then these are very good examples of it. So I have been enjoying those games.
0: Yeah, I kind of wish there was more of a control deck, I guess, mm-hmm. but that's not on the table right now. kind of have to wait for streets to get out of here.
1: Yeah. And I mean, that is one thing, you know, we, we said what decks showed up the like five color atraxa control deck really just was not a thing at all this weekend i think it just can't really keep up with the tuned versions of these decks
0: yeah it's just not the the problem with control in this format is you're just at heart playing a big mid-range deck when the mid-range threats are too efficient Mm -hmm. (laughs) like you just want to be playing you know much smaller than atraxa
1: yeah and we did see rack you know a grixis or Rakdos. Reanimator deck in a couple of these top eights. Like, if you want to attract, so you can, but it is probably worse than just doing Grixis or, you know, with a bunch of Invoked Despairs and a Blade Coil Serpent or whatever. Yeah. Blade Coil Serpent's a very good high end card. That's a nice one. You can only really fit like one copy in the main deck, but it's real nice. There. But it does a lot of
0: stuff. Yeah. Surprisingly. No, yeah. I don't, I don't think I have any more
1: thoughts on Standard. It,
0: it did pan out more or less the way i expected after seeing last weekend and esper knowing esper legends was on the rise Mm -hmm. but some of the stuff really did surprise me like the the mono mostly the canadian stuff where you've got the like eight field of ruins versus the four color deck with slogak and slogak has a card that gets back lands but if you can't cast slogak you don't doesn't matter (laughs) (laughs) so i i like it yeah so far so good excited to see what next weekend standard rcs bring and when rcq standard season is finally here the price is still an issue for me for, for physical paper cards but i'm way more into it than i would have been a month or two ago
1: yeah and i mean hopefully it will be at the point where it's about like 200 bucks for a standard deck and then you can like you know you want to be able to change your deck as stuff changes over the course of the season but if you are relatively budget conscious 200 is like a decent chunk of money but hopefully for people who buy a deck at the start of the season and then just can kind of update it along the course of a standard season, like it will make financial sense to do that. I hope so. I need it to. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Should we talk about Lord of the Rings cards? Yes. How do
0: you want to start this topic? Do you want to talk about the fact that there is a Lord of the Rings set? Or like go into the actual
1: cards we've gotten? Yeah, we can We can talk about larger, you know concepts and then we can just talk about a couple of the cards okay
0: so lord of the rings in magic the gathering as a universe is beyond set what do you think
1: do you like it i was low on the idea and in some ways i do find representing iconic lord of the rings like characters and i and, and like locations and stuff on a magic card it kind of it can lessen them and I think the the rare the Gandalf the gray is like a strong example of that for me like Mm -hmm. I don't need these characters summed up by a power and toughness and a couple of lines of like Magic the Gathering rules text which is very limited in like what it can communicate flavor wise um and Because the context of the character and their meaning to people who enjoy the books and the movies is like so much greater than what can be contained on a magic card. Like, yeah, you can put that aside and you'd be like, yes, I know that there's all this stuff about the character, and this is just like one detail of it is like these abilities. But in some ways, it feels like, okay, this is what this character does and like Gandalf's a 3/4 so if he fights a 4/4 four, four, the 4/4 four, four will kill him and that is that feels really weird to me and it 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 grounds the Lord of the Rings characters in the Magic the Gathering rule set in a way that I'm fundamentally a little uncomfortable with okay like
0: I can see that I am more approaching this as a like a flavor perspective for the mm-hmm. set so I don't mind Th- this particular property for a magic set like if you had fortnite or transformers yes as a set i would think that it's garbage no i mean the aesthetics makes sense yeah yeah it, it's just fits in with the rest of magic and you could if for some reason you wanted to if you wanted to rename all these cards to just be generic magic cards you could probably do it like it would make sense and just keep all the art intact well magic has cribbed so much
1: from lord i mean and all of fantasy has cribbed so much from lord of the rings anyways that like a bunch of these things actually already did kind of exist in magic yeah like soul ring from Mm -hmm. alpha does look like it could belong in lord of the
0: rings (laughs) absolutely and that's just a card that's been reprinted like 50 times and i don't think i'm exaggerating i'm probably lowballing it
1: yeah, I mean, I I do think that it is mostly fine, right? And the the aesthetics of the set don't like knock me on my ass the way that like the Fortnite secret lair off. did oh, or sure. anything. I I mean in a bad way. That you know, okay. the the art is generally quite good on these cards, so.
0: I I know a lot some people really enjoy the basic lands that have maps of mm-hmm. of oh got middle earth I yeah think. i almost forgot the name of the actual planet <laughs> the maps of middle earth as the land like the forest is the misty mountains or sorry the mountain is the misty mountains
1: and so on yeah
0: they're not for me but they are super cool To people who are really into that
1: i'm i'm glad that they exist for people who are into them i agree and honestly like the the lessening the subject matter really kind of lord of the rings was this like huge labor of love for tolkien that Mm -hmm. a lot of it was that he just wanted to create the elvish language and then he created a world around it um but also like he really like these are maps that he drew and he created this world and he put these maps together and they're this sort of when i opened the lord of the rings books as a kid and just like you look at the maps first and it's this entire world that exists that somebody thought out and like painstakingly like drew these mountains for and it's this kind of ungraspable creation it like sends a, a little like frisson down my spine when i like look at the map in a book and like smell the pages of it and uh, i think putting it putting the dread marshes onto swamp uh to me sucks a little bit of the magic out of this creation but i don't think it's like that serious
0: yeah i think people who like lord of the rings and maps would be into it the reason i don't like it is kind of twofold i enjoy maps as a more complete picture like an actual map yeah (laughs) i don't like them being cut up and then just like jumbled around
1: right that too yeah
0: it's kind of disorienting to me and i also don't like the color washing like I, I, generally like my mountains to be red, my like forests sure. to be green, and so on. But most of the this is a map, right?
1: So they're pretty much all green. <laughs> yes, but at least they kept the plaques, the the name plates uh, of the, like. There's a decent amount of blue on the island, you know. So yeah, yeah.
0: But I, I, I can still tell you, I'll probably get like mountain and plains confused because there's mountains on both of them. Like I, in the map.
1: I had an opponent at SCG the other weekend playing these like triple sleeve cards so already like borderline impossible to read what was going on on his side of the battlefield uh and then all of his basics were the like black and white i don't Mm -hmm. even remember which one at this point that i don't remember if they were like called ones or whatever but ones with like really no color indication on the card of what they were so i had to keep looking over and seeing what basic it was really obnoxious yeah that does suck
0: but I do, I, I think the set's cool. The one thing I'll say about this before we go into, like, individual cards is that there was some talk about it being Modern Horizons. Because this this set does skip standard, but is legal in Modern and Legacy and, and all that. But it is legal in Modern. So people were like, is this Modern Horizons 3? And I think from the cards we've seen thus far, we can pretty safely say that it is likely not. But even if we disregard the cards we've seen... They did release information saying that this was designed by the uh, casual play design team, which is the team that creates all of the commander products. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of believe that it'll be more in the vein of those products than a, a modern horizon set. And
1: yeah. Balanced accordingly. Yeah. And, and that does seem to be the case based on a lot of the cards that we've seen.
0: Not to say some of them can't see play in modern because if you want to go into the specific cards now yeah for sure i really love the one ring i actually really like this card i, I
1: think it's an incredible card design and if you're gonna capture the one ring on a card i think that this one actually kind of does it
0: yeah so if anyone doesn't know what this does it's a, a four minute legendary artifact that's indestructible when it enters the battlefield if you cast it so there's no cheating it with like flickering or, or whatever yeah
1: the one ring uh, plus the eternal wanderer otherwise would be
0: boom Oof. protection from everything until your next turn so if you have that combo and it somehow worked if it doesn't mm-hmm. then you're just protected forever but you only get one turn of protection and you have to cast it you can get around this by having two copies and an emory. I've seen people talk about where you just, you know, play one, play the second one, get Emory, play the third one, play the one from your graveyard again, and just kind of look in mean, that way. I mean, like,
1: congratulations, you've made a fog loop in modern. Like, that's, Woo! okay, fine. Do it, that's fine.
0: It has more text. You can tap it to put a bird encounter on it, and then you draw a card for each bird encounter on the one ring. And at the beginning of your upkeep, you lose a life for each bird encounter on it. So you basically keep increasing the amount of cards you draw and the life you lose every turn. So it's a super interesting card in like several different directions because there's the, all right, how do I balance drawing cards versus not dying to my card, <laughs> to my one ring, <laughs> uh, which, you know, flickering using the underworld cookbook to turn cards into food to life is something you can do. Something I thought of, uh, and you also have the mini game of, like, all right, can I can I flicker this to make a fog? Or can I, like, get it back to make a fog somehow?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And those are both kind of interesting things. Also, this is an artifact for Karn, which is a card we always have to include in artifact discussions. Yeah.
1: I mean, sure, you can get it with Karn. But I am kind of more interested in it in, like, other contexts where you have to actually play it. Like, you can always get something card advantage with Karn, whatever.
0: Well, yeah, but have you considered that you could plus Karn and get an indestructible 4-4 I mean,
1: yeah that's not bad it's <laughs> not bad at all but yeah I mean this like also just draws a ton of cards if you have I don't know how you're like untapping it to, but if you do have a way of like untapping with it Gandalf. once or twice and I'll be turn, untapping it with yeah, Gandalf. okay with Gandalf sure yeah uh, but You know, if you're twiddling or anything like that, if you're using, like, Hidden Strings with it or something like that, like, you can draw a ton of cards with it, like, the turn that it comes into play or the turn after it comes into play. because Before you lose any life. Yeah. Yeah. Like, on on its baseline is play it, tap it, draw a card. They can't deal damage to you on their turn. You untap, take one damage, and then you tap it to draw two cards. You have a lot of cards to do stuff with. You didn't take any damage on the last turn. Like, that's kind of acceptable it's tough and modern for a four mana thing to be okay but if you are doing other stuff with it if you're doing hidden strings and things like that you can just like draw 15 cards in a turn with this thing and it is indestructible so your opponent can't just like
0: besage you it to kind of interrupt your yeah, combo that's really cute.
1: we're gonna look for indestructible on like every artifact and enchantment going forward if it costs four mana uh, maybe it seems a lot more appropriate for artifacts a lot of the time than enchantments, mm-hmm. but maybe
0: that's some of that is legacy stuff where you know dark steel was yeah what introduced it.
1: So yeah, I think this is a really cool design, and I think that probably it will see play in weird things.
0: I think it's my favorite card, or my second favorite card spoiled thus far. And we don't have that many spoilers. It's pretty much just today they do the magic stream, and there's several cards. So we've got like I don't know, Scryfall says fifty-two, but half of those are duplicates.
1: It is really important to get the one ring right in your Lord of the Rings set, so...
0: Yes. Kudos. They they said that... I think Glenn Jones did a tweet. Uh, Glenn Jones works on Marvel Snap now, but at Mm -hmm. the time they were making this set did work on Magic, and he said they went through over 10 or 12 variations of what the one ring was before they are like, okay, this this feels like we're on the right track.
1: Yeah, I mean, it it captures... You know, the fact that it's indestructible is really important. It's basically impossible to destroy the ring. The fact that it, like, gives you protection is putting the ring on and turning invisible. And then the fact that it, like, gives you things for a price and it, like, costs you and will eventually kill you if you don't rid yourself of the ring somehow. Like, I think it it does a great job. And is a card with mechanics that are, like, interesting and get your wheels turning when you look at it. So...
0: I think the flavor win would be if you have this like untapped combo where you draw in a bunch of cards, and then you donate it
1: to your opponent. Yes, <laughs> it does keep the bird. I guess that is like the one like flavor fail of it is that the burden counters are attached to the ring and not to the player who like yeah, is using it. But we don't need too many more player counters in the game, so I I give that one a pass. Yeah. Also, it's like a cool way to kill someone. <laughs> yeah, I that would be sick if you just put twenty. Well. You can't really put twenty burden counters on it. You will deck yourself. So yes, but if you if you give it to them with like eight or something, it'll probably kill them pretty quick.
0: Here, draw your nine cards. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Any cards you want to talk about? Anything that caught your eye?
1: Well, I do, I do love that there's a great henge. Version the party tree. The
0: party tree. <laughs> I, these are all box toppers, and I I wish they would do this with way more sets, mm-hmm. where the box toppers are kind of random but desirable cards that are just reskinned in the yeah reskinned versions that fit whatever set they're from mm-hmm. of desirable cards. So like, they did the party tree, which is the great hinge and the way you can tell this is that it, it's the same card; it's just got like that like secret layered name templating where it says the real name underneath the, the fake name. Mm-hmm. So you have the party tree being the Great Henge, Bridge of Kazad being, ensnaring bridge, Valley of Gorgoroth being wasteland, and my my weirdest favorite Lorien brooch being Trailblazer's Boots. I don't. It must be a commander thing. It's gotta be I a commander that was thing. A card. That
1: was in demand, but it's there. We've also got these like elvish soul rings. I don't know that these are. I, I think there's one of the rings given to men, one of the rings given to dwarves, and one of the rings given to elves or something here. I
0: believe there's supposed to be a ton of soul ring variations, not just these three. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, Like, it wouldn't surprise me if there were just 19, which
1: I think <laughs> is the number of rings that they
0: had in the Lord of the Rings. But
1: yeah. I, I don't remember off the top of my head. <laughs> All right. Well, that's fine. There is also a one of one, the one ring which is uh gonna be worth a million dollars or whatever
0: yeah when the one ring was spoiled i was saw the art and the card i was like why didn't they put the inscription on the ring that's what distinguishes it from a random ring that's the thing right and then they came out with the today the one of one ring which is a one of card it's there's only one of them in existence that they're printing in a random collector's booster throughout all the it's willy wonka's like golden ticket Mm -hmm. (laughs) except for you don't win a chocolate factory run by an eccentric chocolatier
1: (laughs) no you get to trade your card for a car or a house or something
0: yeah which i guess is more useful but definitely not as whimsical
1: well but there's also not like a five out of six chance that you get like physically maimed so that's pretty good too
0: Yeah, but they got lifetime supplies of chocolate. You have to keep that in
1: mind. Yeah, but one of the kids is like 10 feet tall at the end of it. The other one's just permanently a blueberry.
0: No, I think they squeeze the juice out.
1: Yeah, she's still gonna be blue. (laughs) I think it's pretty loose to only have one of the one ring with the the writing on it.
0: it. It sounds good, but I don't think it is good because like what if this just gets lost like there's one of them ever and it's just an amazon warehouse and gets destroyed somehow. yeah it, it's
1: <laughs> one of the packs that ends up in the landfill
0: yeah or someone you know there's a lot of tweets
1: which i made one they're just you know, flipped or rip it let's go <laughs> well, the one ring could be in this pack i don't think we're playing flip it or rip it with loader packs until uh this thing is found but what if it See, it's just way more likely the card is never found. Mm -hmm.
0: So many people, so many more people play magic than engage with magic community. And it's far more likely someone
1: can open this and just not know what it is. Yeah. And... I don't know. It seems tough to not look this one up if you open it though. It's it has a clear one out of one. Oh, this is special. Yeah. I think it has a does look cool specialness on it and if you're opening a collector's pack. But I, I your point is taken. <laughs> it could possibly just disappear, which would be in keeping with what the what happens with the one ring. So, you know. It it disappears until it can like make its will inflicted yeah, upon but I the hope world. You're
0: not going to fight several wars, you know, to to contain this card. Sure. Like wizard what is wizards unleashed here?
1: Probably not nothing that serious. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> so Gandalf the Grey. This is I think this is what really like as as the first spoiled card from the set really made me skeptical of it and I think that other stuff that's come out has like mostly felt fine and like kind of redeemed it and the the fact that you know we're looking the first two cards well were gandalf the gray and the one ring and the one ring was so well designed and it's so excellent and then gandalf the gray is just a five mana three four with weird triggered abilities and i get like i i get the argument that gandalf the gray shows up in the hobbit and at the beginning of the lord of the rings and he's kind of this like low-power, like, trickster wizard that, like, does some, like, cantripy things, and he makes fireworks and stuff, and, like, this is that wizard. But I think that there's a couple of problems with that, which, number one, you'd spoil this as the first card, and it just looks so goofy, and, like, yeah, we're waiting on Gandalf the White to be, like, the real Gandalf, but why can't they all be the real gandalf like gandalf is still a a, a Maiar, right like he's still like something even in this avatar form uh and the card text just doesn't inspire the one ring i want i'm thinking of scenarios like how do i use this how do i draw 15 cards with the one ring and not kill myself like i i want to figure this out a gandalf You may tap or untap target permanent. Gandalf deals three damage to each opponent. Copy the target instant or sorcery spell or put Gandalf on the top of its owner's library are the triggers when you cast a spell. And it's just like this is a five min, a three, four. I guess some people are trying to think of like weird loops in commander, but like he goes on top of your library. Like, what are we even think? Like, I just look at this card and I'm like, oh, this is like a bulk rare. And that's pretty lame for Gandalf the Gray.
0: Yeah, I I'm kind of in the camp of waiting for Gandalf the White. I think the this card is not redeemable for me as printed because it doesn't really feel like Gandalf to me. If it had any flavor text with any Tolkien quote or whatever mm-hmm. that was Gandalf y, I'd be like, Oh, okay, I can see this.
1: That's like kind of all it would have taken for me. But they had to put so much text on it. They had to give it a trigger with four modes. Yeah i
0: so yeah this gandalf is not great for me though i did they did say that when they tested this card at four mana it was way too strong and they did primarily did their testing through commander for the set lending further credence to my other theory sure so i think this is really just a commander card that they're probably playing it safe on
1: i yeah but i don't want gandalf the gray to be a Like a A card that that they're playing it safe by making it a five mana three four right like have it be something interesting have room for flavor text I'm also bugged that it's like Gandalf the Grey he does like party tricks but then the arts are him in the minds of holding Glamdring (laughs) like he's like yes he is Gandalf the Grey at that point but he is no longer the fun wizard who blows smoke rings and like he's not all right then keep your secrets Gandalf no he he is. do not take me for the conjurer of cheap tricks, Gandalf. And and then the other art, the like showcase art, is him falling with the Balrog off of the bridge in Moria on the cusp of becoming Gandalf the White. And then his text is like, "Ooh, three damage to each opponent. Put Gandalf on the top of its owner's library. Like, uh, it doesn't work. It doesn't work.
0: That library... That's where Gandalf the white's going to come from.
1: To <laughs> he was just hanging out on the library, but then you draw Gandalf the gray again. So it doesn't work. You don't draw Gandalf the white. I, w-
0: I wish that would have been like a flip trigger. I think that would have been yeah, really cool. It does
1: feel really obvious, but, and, and I, I do think that the, like putting him on top of the library, like, I do think the abilities are like very carefully chosen to be like, these are things that Gandalf does in Hobbiton basically. Like yeah. he does fireworks he blows smoke rings and does like little cantripy things. He goes away for a while and then comes back when he feels like it. Like that, that is what Gandalf does. Those are things that Gandalf does, but that's not who Gandalf is. And that's, I it's think... not how Gandalf is portrayed in this card, which is the main
0: thing. Yeah. Like if this were Gandalf chilling in the Shire, I'd be like, all right, cool.
1: And there is another card, right? There's like Gandalf, friend of the Shire, or something like that and i is there i didn't actually see that i I think there's three gandalfs in the set there's gandalf the gray gandalf the white and gandalf friend of the shire and this feels more appropriate for you know that gandalf
0: speaking of the shire though can i segue into talking about the 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 shire Shire? yes yeah it's a legendary land that interest tapped unless you control a legendary creature taps for a green and it makes a one g tap and tap an untapped creature you control to make a food token this is the perfect land for the shire it is it's a I, it, that's I really so good. like this
1: card. i'm glad they used food as a hobbit mechanic in the set
0: yeah it's even if it's just on this one card i would forget it mm-hmm. because it's it fits so perfectly
1: i i also appreciate that they used partner with in the, the commander sam and frodo's i yeah. only saw the commander sam but it is neat i don't think we have the commander frodo but i'm sure that like he has to have partner with yeah
0: because commander sand does have food abilities yes as you know could be just a generic hobbit mechanic because hobbits love them some food
1: it's like their main thing
0: they're like the best at it too
1: i i don't know that i've gone a week in my life without saying i don't think he knows (laughs) about second breakfasts unbelievable
0: you just have to have that in your vocabulary yes your phrase book i don't i don't really know if i'm gonna play the shire but i hope i can someday
1: yeah a land that makes food i mean maybe tapping an untapped creature you control is like a tough ask on a land activated ability but
0: yeah but we've also played the
1: eldraine one
0: before the gingerbread cabin <laughs> uh,
1: yeah but that's a card that does a job in a way that yes this does if this isn't fetchable you know man why can't this be a forest come on well the Shire what isn't really a forest.
0: It's more of a plains.
1: Yeah. It's it interesting that green. the Shire taps for green. I would think that it would tap for white, but I mean hobbits are are See, hobbits really aren't that nature-y, right? Like they're a natural thing, but they are very much about being in civilization.
0: I think hobbits are very green as people, mm-hmm. but not in magic terms. Sure. Like they're they embody a lot of magic green qualities but not mechanically
1: <laughs> i mean they right there's like the food growing part of it and stuff and the yeah but
0: C- community nature that's a those are green things
1: yeah and their houses are very green like hard to get more uh environmentally friendly than a house made out of a mound of dirt it's you know <laughs> it's very renewable cool cool in the <laughs> summer they don't literally in the winter. live in the forest that's like the thing right exactly Interesting that Tom Bombadil gets a card. I kind of hoped he would get a card. I I, I guess this card kind of works for him. Yeah, he's all about telling stories.
0: Yeah, I think that just tracks. It's kind of weird that he's a five-color, like, saga lord. That seems weird, but it's also kind of cool. I kind of like this card. I don't like the one ring. There's, like, two different arts for him. One where he's a silhouette of light, Mm -hmm. pure light. (laughs) And another where he's just a guy with a you know the blue coat and yellow boots and i like that one a lot more
1: yes that is always the image of tom bombadil that i have in my head it's just like i like it when it's implied obvious and implied oh this is the most powerful being that we've met in all of lord of the rings he just doesn't really care that much and so i i do like that iteration of him much better than like you know a pure, a being, of pure a being of pure light pure light yeah
0: <laughs> i think that's kind of it with Order the rings cards like sam is pretty good as far as playable cards go or it's like solid Mm -hmm. but i don't know if we want to go too deep into just random cards because we don't know what half the mechanics do like there's some cards that reference tempt the ring or tempted by the ring yeah as a mechanic but we have no idea what that means at the time of this recording just no
1: idea no we don't i mean it has like we know that it has mechanical relevance even without rules text, because like one of the Frodos kills your opponent if he hits them, yeah. And if you've, you've been, been tempted, tempted four times. times, which is a weird. I don't get that one. Doesn't quite parse for me. I I don't think that that one like. Why do you win the game? <laughs> because you've been tempted by the ring.
0: No, I, you don't. You don't win the game. Your opponent. Your opponent loses the, loses
1: game. the game, but it makes it feel like I don't know. I, I guess. Frodo hitting your opponent after being tempted by the ring four times is like throwing the ring into the cracks of Mount Doom, but your opponent isn't Sauron, so I don't really understand why that kills them. I was
0: I was kind of thinking more of a, a sneaky golem slash Bilbo line where you're just using the ring to to get people. hmm That's kind of what I thought. Yeah, maybe. I mean that makes more sense than yeah. the Sauron Mount Doom thing.
1: <laughs> I mean, but but why do you have to have been tempted four times for it to be?
0: Well, tempting illegal? the ring is using the ring, right? That's when you've given in.
1: Yeah, I guess. And I guess you're more willing to assassinate someone while invisible if you've, like, worn the ring a bunch of times.
0: Yeah, I guess that's the best I'm going to come up with right now.
1: <laughs> but the first couple of times... He- yeah okay two three lifelink right. yeah that's sure and every time you use
0: it you're you know it tempts you again also we don't know what tempt means no no we don't
1: <laughs> uh, that's the only like rules text associated with it that we have besides like cards that say that the ring tempts you
0: in my mind it is that if you've not yet ventured into a dungeon you start a new dungeon
1: called the undercity yes <laughs> No, I don't think we need any of that. I, I'm 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 okay with no more undercity. <laughs> oh, good. There's another beast and bird lord to go with our other one from Brothers War.
0: Yeah, I mean Thanos. Yeah, yeah. I I do like. It was so weird that Thanos was that in Brothers Work. That's not what his flavor is in the story at all. Yeah but for radagast it makes sense because he's like the wizard of wilderness right
1: radagast the brown
0: i want to talk about like the last real card i think is somewhat interesting for like playing magic Mm -hmm. is reprieve yeah one and a white is it reprieve or Reprieve? i don't actually know i say reprieve but oh no that's a third pronunciation really (laughs) throw a wrench into things here Anyway, we're not editing this. I'm so just going to leave all those pronunciations. Then on. mm-hmm. it's one and a white instant return target spell to its owner's hand, draw a card. So this is very similar to Remand, but color shifted into white.
1: Into a color that doesn't have counterspells. That's that yes. matters a lot.
0: That it does matter a lot. I will say that Manatide has gotten me more than once, <laughs> and because I just don't expect white to have access to that sort of interaction.
1: Then, <laughs> yep, I. That- especially in cube getting mana is just a thing that will continue happening for years and years and years
0: i believe this card is interesting and not powerful but mm-hmm. i've heard people talking about playing it in things like hammer which i personally don't see yet but it is interesting that now that your white decks actually have some sort of tempo card
1: like remand that they just didn't have before yeah. they couldn't play on this axis yeah i, I don't think it's generically powerful for sure. Like we're not just jamming remand into our blue decks because it's good. Like modern is a format where that's defined by zero mana and one mana spells. So sometimes remanding an incarnation to their hand is like pretty good, but a lot of times it's not that great. But this being in white is important. White tends to have more of a board that it wants to protect and has fewer options to protect it. Playing this in, like a human's deck or sideboarding it in a human's deck, it works against Supreme Verdict, which is really nice templating. And uh, like it will see play just because it fills a role that there's nothing else you can put into that slot.
0: Yep, that's exactly how I feel about the card. Uh, Reprieve also can be pitched to Solitude, I've heard people say. Mm -hmm. But that does actually not engender me to the card very much because... A lot of cards can get pitched to Solitude. That and Solitude decks don't usually play... A type of style that you would want to play Remand in, like they're usually more mid-range style decks.
1: So I agree, but also a lot of times solitude decks just like are are, are really confused about what they want to do at two. Like if you are a Ren and Six deck, then great, like that's a great start. But if you are different colors, your like options for twos are like kind of limited in cards that like are actually going to engage the opponent on turn two in some way so maybe but yeah I, my first thought looking at this card is not oh yeah it's white for solitude like my first thought at looking at this card is like i can put this into decks with thalia's lieutenant and no blue mana
0: mm-hmm. the the whole is a two drop argument for solitude decks is weird to me because you, you kind of have to do stuff with like Gragavan in the format yeah <laughs> sometimes you can't you can't just rely on
1: remand being a card no, 100%. This is not a good card when your opponent has a Ragavan in play. Just scrolling
0: through modern deck lists, like, oh, why does every deck have this monkey in it?
1: Also, just some moderate takes. Uh, you cannot pass is fine that they use the book text instead of the movie text. I, I'm completely okay with that. And people that are like... It's
0: also it's also in the movie. <laughs> like, it's in both. Yeah. <laughs> It's the, it's just the start of the quote instead of the end.
1: Yes, but it, it's the emphasized, you know, the the, the yeah. emphasized part in the movie is "you shall not pass." Also, Black Aragorn, like, insane to be mad about that. That's totally fine. <laughs> apparently, I was not watching the the live stream, but apparently, like, chat just started getting real racist with it when Aragorn and Arwen wed was spoiled. Relax, it's fine. Sometimes characters are black. Sometimes people are black too. You know what? That's also good. <laughs> it's also fine. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's it's
1: it's such a stupid thing to be upset about, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's it for me. I am surprisingly fine with the I I shouldn't be that surprised. Like the there's, there's good team on this set. I I am bummed by the Gandalf. I don't think that that one was well done, but a lot of this other stuff, I am completely fine with and has not made me feel the way I was scared that I would feel reading Lord of the Rings cards.
0: Yes. I Having seen several of the cards in the set, especially the One Ring, has made me excited to see more of the cards in the set. Yes. Which is not something that I got from a few of the other universes beyond stuff where I just, like, didn't care what was going on. I mean... Even though I'm kind of... I'm not even really forced to be aware of what's going on, even though this is legal and modern. Because I don't think most of the cards are strong enough to see modern play. Like they're not really designed for that.
1: No, and I think that's mostly a good thing. I do think that having a premium price on the packs is nuts. Uh, I don't get it. Yes. And I mean, I you told
0: me about that, and that was the first time I learned about it, and I thought it was just lunacy.
1: Yeah, I I don't get it at all. And I mean, I didn't get why the Modern Horizon sets had to be premium like. Again, it is stupid to make those sets expensive just because the cards are very good. It's stupid to make this set expensive. Like,
0: look, gotta man, offset those royalty costs.
1: I guess <laughs> it's just a bummer. Yeah, I, I can't is. I can't justify buying packs of this set. Like, I I can't pay a premium price for a set that most of the cards I'm just never going to play in any format. I don't know.
0: Maybe to a limited format will be sweet. I can always hope for that. But it, even then, like it's hard to justify drafting Modern Horizons and stuff. Mm-hmm. Even though the draft, like Modern Horizons one, was a draft format I really enjoyed. Yeah, and it was too expensive to draft more than a few times.
1: Yep. It it really caps the amount you can experience it.
0: So like it's neat that they design like a large part of why they can claim that boosters are not loot boxes is because you can play with the cards in like limited formats and it's intended to be played that way but when you've gated the price so high that that's just like not realistic a lot of the set just becomes garbage
1: yeah it's a bummer anyway to end on that great note Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yep yeah, I mean I'm tentatively excited to see more spoilers from this set but other than that I don't really have anything else going on
0: no i'm i'm, I'm good i'm looking forward to more standard tournaments I'm way
1: more surprised
0: at, I'm, I'm surprised at myself that that is the case but i actually am
1: yeah for sure i i agree that's it for us have a great week
0: bye don't support tcg player <laughs> <laughs>